Today's episode is sponsored by Elo Health. If you're hearing this, you've probably taken supplements at some point in your life. You're probably taking them right now. We all know that our bodies need them, but you've never been able to identify exactly what your body needs. And if you followed my journey with supplements and the blood biomarker tests that I've taken in the past for my health issues, I cannot overstate how important it is to get the right supplements for you. Enter Elo Health. Elo uses a combination of at-home blood biomarker testing, Apple Health data and dietitian support to determine exactly the right supplements just for you and delivers them every month to your door in convenient daily packets. I love that because they just have little packets just for you with your name on them. It feels very special. It's time to start taking supplements that are tailored to you. Get your free blood biomarker test. It's a $200 value by going to elo.health and entering code joy. That's E-L-O dot health and enter code joy for a free blood biomarker test. Thanks, Elo. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. How's it going? Happy you know what? Or whenever you're listening to this, I was thinking this morning, the last time we recorded and more in the afternoon, and I was, you know, normally I'm pretty good with uh, morning times, but today feels like a struggle bus. You know, we record this like more yeah. normally in the mornings. We had someone from Australia being like, this is at 1am in Australia. Are you ever going to record? I was like... I don't know if I can help you with that. Like, we can't, <laughs> I'm not going to record it. Like, I don't know. I guess we could do late afternoon, but still, it just, it's hard. It's hard to find consistent times. So maybe we'll do that sometime, Australia. I'm sorry. Uh, you'll just have to listen to the episode on Thursday. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, mornings are the easiest times. Sometimes every once in a while we'll do it in the kind of later part of the work day, but that's hard for other people to join for different reasons. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening from Australia, though. Yeah. Thank you so much. How are <laughs> things going? So I survived my heli skiing trip. Yeah. Everyone is waiting for this update. Yeah. It was a lot. So we go down to Silverton, which is, it was like, it's about a seven to eight hour drive from Denver. It's in the southwest corner of the state, which is pretty hard to get to. It snowed the entire time we were there. Very heavy snow. The two activities that we were supposed to do, the first day we were going to do backcountry skiing. And the second day we were going to go to this resort called Silverton Mountain, which is known for like expert terrain only. I never would describe myself as an expert skier. They have one lift that is like the steepest lift ever. It takes you way high, like very long, very steep. And then you either can hike to other places or you can take a helicopter. And so I was there. First of all, I want to talk a little bit more about why I was there. So the company that I work for has a nonprofit partner called SOS Outreach. And if you are in, I think they operate in Colorado, Washington, California, Utah, they're all over the Rocky Mountain West. So if you are in those regions, I would highly recommend looking this this organization up. I did not know a whole lot about them before I went. And now I'm like diehard like into what they do. So their mission basically is to take kids who would otherwise really not have access to snow sports for their financial, mostly for financial reasons or for location or whatnot, and get them into skiing or snowboarding and also pair them with a mentor. And so a lot of the 
kids who are in these programs are kids who work for or who live with families who work like in the service industry in these tourist towns. And so, you know, as everybody knows, snow sports are very, very expensive. Those towns tend to be very expensive to live in. But of course, they're propped up and held up by the service industry folks who live there. And so a lot of times the families who live there are really left out of the community because they can't participate in these activities that are really integral to the the culture of that community. And so this is just a cool organization that like really recognizes that and says, okay, you know, we want you guys to be able to do fun stuff and be a part of the community. And um, so they pair them with a mentor and they, you have like an adult mentor and then also a peer mentor. The goal is to actually really stick with those kids through early adulthood, like into their twenties, not just kind of like drop the mentorship when high school ends so that you can actually help the kids like continue to succeed in college, get a, you know, hook them up with like some internships, help them get their first couple jobs in those, that really critical time frame where you, like it is kind of who you know, right? And like your early career. So it's just, I really enjoyed being there. And I think the a really cool thing about it is that, you know, with snow sports, again, like, it can, it's hard. It can be really intimidating because you need a lot of gear. It's really hard to just like, especially as a teenager, go out and try something completely brand new. Yeah. Mira says, when somebody told me how much it costs going skiing in America, I couldn't believe my ears. I mean, we're talking for a single day lift ticket. You're starting at a hundred dollars for one day, just for the lift ticket. And And then you're looking at another hundred to $200 to rent your gear. And then you have to then also come up with base layer, snow pants, boots, I mean, you can write your boots, mm-hmm. base layer, snow pants, jacket. So for one day of skiing, best case scenario, you can beg, borrow, and rent all your stuff. You're still looking at three to $400. That's so insane. For one day. For one day. This is why I dated a guy who worked at the ski lift in Vail yeah. when I was in my 20s. Because I don't Honestly. Go for, ski for free. <laughs> oh, Gabe. Oh, <laughs> uh, <aw>, Gabe. <laughs> Um, I mean, oh. I worked with, I worked on the mountain when I was out of college, you know, Yeah, and I still work in an industry where I get a discount on a ski pass. And I, for a long time, I worked for a ski resort company so I could get free passes. But yeah, like, a, and then a, a season pass is, starts at $500 for the whole year for a kid and goes up to 1500 easily. All that to say, wildly expensive. Yeah. If you go on the weekday, sometimes you can get like a little bit of a cheaper deal, but like it's not necessarily approachable or realistic to think you could go on like a Monday or a Tuesday. Back to the trip though a little bit. So that's where that's so I was there with this group. And every year they put on this event for like their donors and their board members and so and their corporate partners. And so the cool thing about the company I work for, all the other corporate partners just like sent their CEOs and their presidents and our company was like, hey, we actually want to like send people, different people every year. So they raffle it off to employees. And, you know, you guys heard the story last week about me, myself, and a colleague who recently moved to Denver from Michigan got our got these spots. So the first day we went backcountry skiing and it snowed so much. We were on Molas Pass for anybody who's familiar with the area. The avalanche danger in Colorado right now is super, super high. And luckily, I mean, we were with guides all weekend who were very, very trained in avalanches. We started the day spending a couple hours doing like an avalanche beacon drill where anytime you're moving around an avalanche train, I'm just going to give you guys like a little avalanche beacon 101 here. You basically are wearing this thing that's about the size of a cell phone that's constantly sending out a signal. And everyone has yours in like signal mode all the time. If someone were to get buried by an avalanche, Everyone else in the group would switch theirs onto search mode, which will then look for that person's signal. Wow. And that's how that works. And you're that's wearing so it on a harness under but your I jacket. Like, yeah. 
That's crazy. I mean, this is yeah. the most elegant solution we've come up with. And then once yeah. you find the signal, this is the best part about it. Once you find the signal in your pack, you literally have just like a 12 foot long, what is effectively like a tent pole. And you're just supposed to like shove it into the ground all around. And hope the you signal. don't stab someone. <laughs> and you're hoping to stab someone. Like you're hoping. Oh, yeah. Like you're hoping to. Strike. Okay. You're hoping to find a like. Oh, something my soft. God. That's yeah. I mean, this is like a yeah. backpack or a leg. This is reality. Sure. This is reality. Like, oh, I'm sorry God. if you get poked in the eye with a probe. It's better than your, your other option is literally death. Death, right. <gasps> sorry, Tina and Marcos are here. <laughs> sorry, I just saw our friend Tina in New York uh, and Marcos, her husband. I don't know if they're both here, but like, they're my favorite people on earth. <laughs> so I just had to pause because I'm like, oh, Tina and Marcos just joined. <laughs> Hi, Hi guys, I love you. Okay, Good morning continue. To still joining. Sorry, sorry for everyone so, who's yeah. listening. That's like very yeah. jarring. We're just like, oh, somebody said something. I know, but it's like this is what we love about the chat. I we know. just love our people. Okay. So avalanche. Okay. So we did some avalanche training and then we stayed on just really low angle stuff. So the thing about avalanches is that they're most likely train and out for an avalanche is between 30 and 40 degrees of steepness. Anything under 30, it's just not really steep enough to go. Anything above like 50, it's too steep and the snow is not going to build up. Like think about like a cliff. Like the snow doesn't get that deep on a cliff because it's too steep and it just kind of doesn't it's high too high angle for the snow to really build up that much. So 40 to 50 ish you're still at risk. 30 to 40 though is the highest risk. So they're like we're going to stay below 25 degrees. Like we're not even going to go there. Which to me, it was like music to my ears because I'm like, okay, I can do this. Like I can ski 25 degrees steepness. Turns out 25 degrees in literally feet of new snow is very, very hard because it's, you're just moving through, like you can't get, you can't keep your speed. So there was so much falling, so much digging out. And we had to, we were on our, we had skins on our skis, which you take off when you're going downhill skiing. But basically what it is, is it's like a one way, think about like a, like velvet, like true velvet, where it's like really scratchy one way and then really the other way. It's that. And so Mm -hmm. you're gripping in one direction and not in the other. Mm -hmm. So it was, a. it ended up being like an eight and a half hour day because the snow was so deep and it was so hard to move around. I really liked the backcountry skiing. I can see why people do it. I was like, you know, we were, we're kind of like out here with no one. There is some really great snow. It's beautiful. It's like really peaceful. You kind of just like are hiking and then every once in a while during your hike, you stop to ski. So that's fun. The other really fun thing about my backcountry ski date is that I was in a group with Myrna, also known as the Myrnavator from Instagram. If any of you guys follow her on Instagram, she is a black plus size creator from Vermont who is a trail runner and she's just so great. And she was there. She was the keynote speaker at this event two years ago and they invited her back like just to be a participant. It was so fun to be in her group. She was really so, so nice and so funny. She and I kind of ended up at the tail end of the group towards the end of the day. Yeah. Got to spend a lot of time with her and that was really, really fun. I know. So backcountry skiing. I know. You're like, I I can't believe you're with her. And I was like, you should get her on the podcast if you get an in. I know. Um, At one point, I... At one point, I like tried to soft pitch. Like, do you listen to any podcast? She was like, no, I'm over podcasts. I was like, and I'm not going to ask you to come on my podcast. <laughs> She's like, do you ask me? I'm kind of over them. And I was like, well, I'm really glad that I started with that question. <laughs> That's so funny. You're like, like, well, like, you're like, like yeah, me too. They're just so many and they're all the same. And I was like, uh-huh, yeah, I know what you mean. Gosh, I hate that. <laughs> Lame. Oh, well, that's okay. I'm sure if I had been like, oh, because I have one, like she would have been very like sweet about it. But no, it was just funny. That's also, really by this funny. point, we had been in the skin track for like two hours. So we were both a little, <laughs> a little loopy. <laughs> yeah. 
So backcountry skiing, brief synopsis. I loved it. I can see why people like it. The next day we go to Silverton. It has snowed like another foot in the meantime. You're, they have, in terms of like a ski resort, it's nothing of any, like any type of ski resort I've ever been to. It's literally like one tiny parking lot. At the end of the parking lot is the one lift. And then above the parking lot, like on the hill is a little yurt where it's like the warming hut and they sell like t-shirts and water bottles, beer. <laughs> and you go up to the yurt to sign your waiver. And I'm like, okay, you know, I have my, my lift ticket waiver in there. And everybody had a heli, one helicopter trip included. I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to sign the waiver and just kind of see what happens. Like I'm not really sold on going up in a helicopter yet, but I just, I want the option. So I signed those helicopter waiver. They give me like my little helicopter t- t- lift ticket. They're like, okay, well, if you are helicopter curious, go just go in this group over here for the safety talk, and then we'll come back and find another group for you. So go into the helicopter safety talk, and they never came back for me, and then all the other groups left. So suddenly, I'm just like in the helicopter group now. was really just not mentally prepared for that. And the helicopter guy kept saying things like, in the event of an unintended landing, and I was like, just call it a crash. Just call it a crash. We... We know just set set our expectations so that we know that we're not going to be able to do any of the things you're describing that we should do in the event of an unintended landing because we will all be in flames. And he also kept yeah. saying things like, you know, you're going to get in the helicopter and like there's a bar you can grab and a rope, but like don't grab the door because it's really fragile. I'm like, why are we getting in a fragile helicopter? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just have my father's voice in my head. You know, he worked around airplanes. He built his own airplane at one point, but he would always say, never get in a helicopter. One blade goes you don't have a backup. <laughs> yeah, right. It was so we were we get to the top of the of the mountain. We're well above tree line, which if you're not familiar in Colorado, the tree line is at about 11,000 between 112 and 115, but it's I think the like official tree line is 113 and change. So we're above tree line, which means we're really high up there. We get off the lift, you like hike up onto this ridge, the helicopter can come pick you up. All these groups go ahead of us. By the time it's time for our group to go, I am in like a full body fear response that I really was not expecting. I normally don't, this normally does not happen to me. I don't remember getting on the helicopter. Like that was how terrified I was. And it wasn't even like a, oh, I'm scared of crashing. It was just like, there wasn't a specific thing that I was scared about. It wasn't that logical. It was just like fear has taken over my nervous system and there, and that's it. We fly, I'm somehow the first person in the helicopter, which means I'm by the window. We fly like over this gully kind of like to the next ridge or two ridges over. The helicopter drops us off on this little ridge. You could not have parked a car there. Like it was tiny and it's just a cliff on the backside. And then on the front side is like this very steep drop into this bowl. And how many people are in the helicopter with you? Six. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, it was again, a small, fragile, suppose apparently helicopter. The helicopter did land and we got out. So we didn't have to hop out while it was hovering. Oh, that would have been too much for me. I, no. I would have peed my pants. <laughs> Thankfully no. it landed. But like, I mean, the helicopter was small enough that the six of us were in the back like knee to knee. It was a small helicopter. The area where it landed, again, was like maybe the size of a parking spot, like a parking lot parking spot at most. The helicopter, we get all of our stuff. The helicopter like flies away. And the guide's like, okay, put on your skis. We're going to ski down from over there. And I'm like, oh, we're skiing down from here? I'm on a cliff. I mean, I don't know what I thought, where I thought we were going to ski down from. But also the visibility was terrible. You couldn't tell how steep something was. The light was super flat. We were totally socked in all weekend, which, did you know that term socked in? No. Mm-mm. Okay. I thought this was like a term that people knew. Please chime in in the chat if you're if, if you know the term socked in. It means that like the visibility is so bad you can't see around you. Like you are you saying socked or sacked? Socked, like a sock. Okay. Mm-hmm. We looked it up. I've known this term as it relates to skiing or as it relates to winter weather. Like being socked in means that like you can you can't see like any of the 
features around you, like the mountains around you or anything like that. Apparently, it is an airport term where it means like the weather is so bad you can't see the windsock. Grade A gifts going on the chat right now about what this means. <laughs> I can't stop laughing at it's just <laughs> it's just Bill Hader doing the Californians like <laughs> what? These are the things so, you miss out on when you don't I join know, the live sorry, recording. So we were totally socked in, so you couldn't see like the mountains around you, which is too bad because it's a beautiful part of the state and we didn't get to see it at all. But it really meant like I had no context for where we were. It took us probably an hour and a half, maybe an hour, to get down what a very skilled skier could have gotten down in like 20 to 30 minutes. So probably about twice as much time. The real nail in the coffin for me was that I was the last one to go because because the avalanche danger was so high, they had us going down like one at a time. And I mean, this is again, like this is technically a resort. They do do avalanche mitigation, which means that they like throw bombs onto the side of the cliffs to try to get the abbeys to go if there is one that's waiting to go. So we're not just going out into the backcountry or going out into unmanaged terrain. But nonetheless, now on this day, we're at more than 30 degrees. We're in the avalanche danger zone. And so they have us going down. Like one person goes, we wait a couple minutes. The next person goes, we wait a couple minutes. I'm the last one to go. And the person in front of me who goes falls a ton. And there is a guide that went first and then a guide who was waiting to bring up the rear. And the guide who was waiting to bring up the rear ended up having to ski down to this other person and help them with all their stuff. Yeah. So you're like... Truly so behind. I'm truly by yeah. myself on a ridge, just for probably 20 minutes standing there, just like thinking my thoughts, wondering what I've done to deserve this. <laughs> oh my gosh. And like some Tina said in the chat, Marcos was like, You won this trip? Like you won this in yeah, a raffle. Just, you should just take the cash value. <laughs> <laughs> No way no to way bail. To bail. Yeah, there's no way to bail at this point. I am on the, the top only of the way out is there's through. A cliff behind me and very hard skiing in front of me. I did consider. I was like, probably the helicopter could come back for me, but you know that would probably be more dangerous than just yeah. And it's hard when you're in that panic mode because I've been on like you know when I was younger, I've been on ski slopes, definitely not to this level, but where you're just kind of like stuck, kind of similar to the feeling of climbing where you're like, I just have to be in this moment. There's nothing else I can do. What is my next move? So I start going down finally. And it's really, it's so, so, so deep. And I'm doing, and powder skiing for people out there who have never powder skied is a completely different technique of skiing. Your weight is way back in your heels. You are not, you have to like float your turns instead of cut them. If you try to cut a turn, your skis will get buried. Like the majority of resort skiing in America, you're cutting your turns because there's very little new snow. 99.9% of skiing I've done is just is like you are really like leaning into your turns. If you lean that hard into a turn when you're powder skiing, your skis will get buried and you will just like end up in the ditch. Yeah. Oh. So it was just really the whole thing. I was like breathing so hard the whole time. At one point, my I like went over like a little boof and my the tips of my skis got buried and I just did a front flip on accident, but I landed on my feet. <laughs> Like, oh my god! Does my skis go into the snow? The snow's so deep that it just like fl- completely takes my skis and just flips me over. My skis stay on, which is also a testament to how soft the ski the snow is. And yeah, I, I was gonna say feet. that's a miracle. Yeah, and I like come up, and the guide is staring at me, and he's like, "Are you okay?" And I just start laughing, and he's like, "That was actually awesome." <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, did not mean to do that. Then we went down. So this is like you're in a bowl, which is just like big, wide open, much easier to kind of navigate. Even though it's steep, you can kind of turn wherever you want. So if you guys remember last week, I was talking about like what makes skiing challenging is when you're in areas where there's really just one line to pick. Like you have to turn in certain places. You have to make certain turns. When you're in the bowl, not really the case. It's steep. 
It's deep, but like you can kind of go where you want. The next part where we got down was like a ridge with a lot of trees where you did have to make some tighter turns and that took a long time. And then we got to the bottom and it was like, it was probably like 3,500 or four, up to about 4,000 vertical feet, which is a lot for a single run. Conclusion of that experience was like, I did it. I can understand why this is like appealing to some people. And it's not, I'm not into that. I like, this is not appealing to me. I don't want to do this again. It was too intense. It was too like, if I was an adrenaline junkie, I would have been like so hyped up. And because I'm not an adrenaline junkie, I was just like, right. this is scary. I just want to get did down. You get, did you get so tired from like the adrenaline dump? Were yes. you so exhausted? I would have I been so tired. I was so exhausted. I could see like the other people in our group, the other people at the end of the day who were all just like so lit up. And I was like, see, that's – I get it. I, I I can see how you would sure. get there. And you appreciate that. But that is not that. my reaction. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Wow. So I think like backcountry skiing, fun, would like to do it again. Heli skiing, I survived. Mm. Don't mm. need to do it again. It looked super intense. And anything involving a helicopter to get where you need to go yeah. is – Pretty badass in my book. So congratulations. I mean, I do feel like a badass. And now I can be like, yeah, I've been heli skiing. Little do they know that. What, you don't heli ski? You've never been heli skiing? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Have you ever done, I don't think you have, what is it when they do, is it parasailing? But no, where they take you, or you like lift up in almost like a chair in the sky. I think it's called parasailing. No, I've never done it. Parasailing? I would. I don't think I would do that. I don't, uh. (sighs) oh. I guess maybe in water, but like that doesn't seem fun to me. I don't know. To me, like the scary. boat thing, Maxine did it. Paragliding. She and her. Oh, yeah. Maxine got married. I feel like I didn't ever tell you guys that. Oh, we can, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that in a minute. But Maxine and her husband went to like, like went to the Florida Keys and did it. And she was like, it was fine. Like, it's fun. Like at, when you're ascending, it's sort of like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. And then but then you just like sit back there for so long at the same elevation. And you're like on this rope and you're like, okay. Okay, now oh. what do I do? <laughs> now what? <laughs> yeah. Rachel says you can see all the sharks that are under you in the ocean. No, I don't want to see that. <gasps> um, Heather, who says no. parasailing behind the boat was super safe and peaceful, would love to see sharks. I know this about her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, that's lesson learned. You started out 2023 with a bang. Yeah. So I've already I've, – I've checked two things off my list for the year. Yeah. Go backcountry skiing and go heli skiing. Two things that in a normal year I would not even add to my list. But because I knew I was mm-hmm. going to do them, I just threw them on the list. Quite a bang. But I think I've been reflecting a lot on it just like as an experience, as a human experience, and realizing that I think – it's common to right now there's that like Elise Myers like do it scared kind of trend where she's like, you know, people ask me how I do things without being scared and I don't. I just do it scared. Doing something scared is a lot less glamorous than it sounds. It's well for sure. I mean, I think we could all relate to that of that feel the fear and do it anyway mentality. I right. I reference this guy all the time. He was a mentor of mine in he was a supervisor when I was an intern and in grad school. He was this very old school psychotherapist, looked like Freud. Like he was just such a cool guy. And he would always say things like Yoda-like, where you would just very quotable. Anyway, his name was Claire, Dr. Poole. And he uh, would always say, you know, if you're standing, like on a high dive, it's always going to be scary if you're scared of heights. It's never going to go away. (laughs) He would say this so matter-of-factly, I love it. He would always be like, you know, you got to jump and then you'll deal with the emotions later. And he just said it so simply that it makes so much sense to me that like, yeah. And I know there's 
it, this is very generally speaking, but there's always going to be emotions and it's more about learning how to tolerate difficult emotions. So I get that. And it's For like, sure. we also don't want to simplify it either because it's like, yeah, fear is valid. I'm not going to go, I'm never going to be one to skydive. I'm not going to do a feel the fear and do it anyway. That will never be in my repertoire. Like, right. There's a no difference thanks. between like feel the fear and do it anyway in like a job interview and feel the fear and do it anyway get in a helicopter. <laughs> right. Like, okay. So when you were doing the helicopter thing, let me, let me just give it like an example of like maybe one to 10, one to 20 fear scale. Right. I remember maybe it was around my 30th birthday. We went to Lakeside. You, everyone that's in Denver knows Lakeside theme park. It's very old. Everything in that theme park is kind of on its last leg, questionable with the quality. There is a roller coaster, I'm sure we've mentioned before, called the Chipmunk, where when you are on it, you feel like at any time the whole cart could just fall off the roller coaster. But anyway, there's that one ride. Like It feels like you could have that moment in like a Wiley Coyote cartoon Coyote. where like you're looking at something and like the bomb has gone off and it looks like everything is fine. And then somebody sneezes and it all just turns to dust. Like that entire theme park looks like it's about to have that moment. Exactly, exactly. It's Lakeside, yeah. So there is one ride. Everyone probably relates to that. You can see it at any theme park where it just takes you up to the top and then drops you, like the free fall ride. And I remember going on that ride with Scott and our friend Joey. And I was like, yeah, I'll go on it. And I'd never been on a ride like that before. And I've never felt that level of terror in my life where it just keeps going to the top, top, top. Because at any time, you know that you're going to be dropped. I remember it going so high. I can still feel it. It was like a core like trauma memory, memory in my head of feeling I've never felt that level of terror before where I was like, I feel so scared. I don't know if like my brain's going to just shut off. And was like, was that the level where you said you like, don't remember this? <laughs> like, was it like that scary? Because that yeah. will always stick with me of like, I never want to I never want to like voluntarily put myself in a situation like that. Yeah, it really was like, I think the thing that was hard about it was that I just wasn't expecting it. I hadn't like psyched myself out and kind of mentally prepared myself. It was more like it was happening before I really realized that that's what we were doing. And so I think I literally was just trying to like just control my breathing. It wasn't even like telling myself, hey, you're going to be fine. Like I couldn't even access that amount of cognitive function. I was truly so into like fight or flight that all I could do was just try to breathe and just like try to exist. I don't know the last time I felt fear like that. It was like so deep nervous system fear that it was like well beyond any like any sort of cognitive, oh, I'm afraid of XYZ. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm. I think like the deep nervous system fears. I can feel it. Like I can feel it in my body even just thinking like just recalling the memory alone. I'm like, whoo. Um, I'd love to hear in the chat if there's ever been a time where you have had that happen to you. Happy endings only though, I guess. <laughs> because I, I also acknowledge like this could have gone ended really badly. I mean you Bought trip insurance for your yeah, surf trip. Yeah, right. You I were bought like, trip just insurance. Just in case. Yeah. Because I was like, just in case I like tw- turn a knee or something. I also want to say I've been going to pelvic floor PT for the last like, I don't know, probably almost six weeks at this point. One thing that we've been working on a lot is trying to get my glutes to fire, which I always sort of thought that was a myth that like you, I think I remember reading like your glutes not firing is a myth. And I was like, oh, great. It's a myth. I don't have to worry about that. It's not a myth. It's real. And it can like cause real imbalances in your pelvic girdle. 
but and what's the what's the move we were talking about? Is it just that you were that we we talked about this a few episodes ago? Is it just uh, hip thrusts? What are you doing to remedy that? I'm doing a lot of things. We were talking about donkey kicks, I think. Donkey kicks. Thank yeah, you. I am doing donkey kicks. Love a donkey kick. <laughs> but I went to, I had PT on Friday and after I got back and she was like, we were doing like some glute, re- like glute releases. And I, she was like, you know, I know you're really sore right now, but this is a win. Your glutes are sore. It's <laughs> like, thanks. Thanks, PT lady. Thanks, Miranda. Good job, glutes. So we're going to take a quick break and talk about our favorite sponsor, Ned, and the Shut Eye Chai that we are still loving. You guys know how much we love Ned. We love all of their products. We love their CBD products. We love their Mellow Magnesium Blend. We love their Chapstick. We love their Herbal Blends. We just love everything about this company. We love that they are so transparent about all of their processes, all of their ingredients, their farms, their farmers. They're just really, really great people who are really committed to a quality product and to really like helping their community out with herbal remedies. Both of the founders have gone through situations with their own families where they've used herbs, botanicals, CBD to help the health of their own families. And I think that that really speaks to just how personally deeply committed they are to making sure that this is such a high quality product and that everything they put out is something that they really feel passionate about. So try out the Shut Eye Chai. It is really just like so soothing and lovely, and it's just like the best. You want to calm your ritual. nervous system, calm that nervous system down. They have such good products. I was just looking on their website as you were talking, and they even have like a starter kit if you just aren't sure exactly what you want. So they have samples of like their best sellers, which is great. Um, it's just so cool to see how much they've grown because they really started out with like the CBD oil and now they have everything from like recovery, focus, immunity, tinctures, capsules, you know, so they have such a variety, a wide variety of products. And it's just, it's so fun to see them grow because they're such good, like they're good people. We've worked so closely with them since day one, like they came to our 300 episode party. So it's really cool to have that relationship with a sponsor. Yeah, that was four years ago, which feels like a lifetime ago. So you guys can try out Ned and try out their Shut Eye Chai. It is made with adaptogens. It's made with functional mushrooms. It is made with magnesium and aminos. It has like a masala chai inspired flavor. It does not include CBD or melatonin. So if you're worried about that, you don't have to worry about that with the shut-eye chai. It also does not have dairy in it. So if you're like, okay, great, but I can't have like a dairy chai mix, you don't have to worry about it. We do like mixing it with a little bit of oat milk. I like how it kind of like brings a little bit of creaminess, but you know, you do you. So you can go to Ned and try out the shut-eye chai and all their other amazing products. Go to helloned.com. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash joy or use discount code joy for 15% off your order. Thank you so much for supporting the brands that support our podcast. And thank you for supporting this awesome local Colorado brand that we love so much. Lindsay says, Ned, you won't even remember the avalanche. I don't know if I can. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if the FDA would approve that that claim. <laughs> you guys are cracking me up today. I needed this today. Okay. Um, we have some people putting like the scariest times. Yeah. I want to read some of these. <laughs> Pre-kids, I had an adventure summer. Flew a plane, skydiving, motorcycle ride, cliff diving. I'd never do any of that now, says Lindsay. Now roller coasters scare me. Fair. I also think there is like a shift in your brain if you if there are any parents out there. When you have kids and you realize like, oh, it's like a big – it would be a bigger deal if I died. The, the colleague I was with just kept saying like, 
I think she knows she was sort of like using humor to deflect the situation, but she also doesn't have kids. And she was like, yeah, you know, if I died, it'd be a good story. I'm like, that is not how I feel for the record. (laughs) Not a good story. First time scuba diving, says Ashley. First time scuba diving, 30 minutes, just breathing in and out until I remembered we were looking for fish. Um, Jacqueline says, Hi, he and Acadia and my ex led me down the precipice trail the wrong direction in the rain. People have literally fallen and died on that trail. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. no Julie says, first time flying a plane by myself and there was a Ooh. bee in the cockpit. No! <laughs> a bee in the cockpit. <gasps> that's the worst case scenario, Julie. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That's terrifying. That's terrifying. What did you do, Julie? What did you oh do? Oh, my God. Um, Rachel says, Tower of Terror was one of those moments on a high school band trip. Okay, shout out to everyone who went to Disney with high school band and had, like, made core memories because I think that's, like, a real shared experience, weirdly, with teenagers in America. On a high school band trip, and we couldn't be alone in Disney but could walk around in groups of students. No one wanted to sit out with me, so I ended up on the ride. I squeezed the girl next to my hand so hard it cut her finger on my ring. Whoops. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Also, yeah, please send us your stories of going to Disney yeah. with your high school band. <laughs> or doing things that scared the living daylights out of you. And cheers if that's like your thing and you like to do that. I was watching I was watching the documentary series, docu-series, maybe it was just a movie called it. Alpinist. It is like, you know, it's kind of like that Don- the Donwall movie, all those movies that are just about like really elite climbers. I was watching that movie the other day, just again, thinking like it just takes a special type of person that maybe you don't have as much access to that fear response. You're just wired that way because man, I mean, they're just free. There, there we go. The movie Free Solo. All of that adrenaline just makes me scared watching it. Even the first five minutes, I'm, th- I'm like, my heart's racing just watching this. And they're just like, yeah, this is like they live and breathe to do it. And then Alpinist specifically does not have a happy ending. Yeah, I'm not laughing. I'm just like, yeah. No, I know. Yeah. It's intense. Horrible. I know. Yeah. All those ones. I mean, it's intense. One of the people that I was with on this trip who was the keynote speaker, he led an expedition up Everest for the, of the first all-black summit team on Everest. His name is Phil Henderson. Really cool guy. Really cool story. Um, it's called, It was called the Full Circle Expedition. So check that out if you're interested in learning more about it that's another thing like climbing Everest where I'm like don't have the drive to do that like that you know that I don't know I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, yeah. Okay. Someone asked, I think it was Rachel earlier asked about, because I just want to cover this really quick in terms of like the things we kind of want to accomplish and mentioned like, what is something on my bucket list that I want to accomplish this this year? And I have no idea. It goes back to the goal thing. I'm like, I don't know. I honestly just want to finish the stair climb that I have next weekend without, I would like to try it twice. I signed up for, (laughs) this is not going to surprise you. You can sign up for one trip up, which is like, just over a thousand steps. You can sign you can sign up so it's one vertical mile. And this is like this similar to the Manitou incline, right? Except it's indoors in like a stairwell. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's not great. <laughs> So I signed up for one trip. No, you can sign up for one trip or you can sign up for up to eight trips. And of course I signed up for multiple trips. I don't think I'm gonna make it past one. But Scott was like, do you have to go down? No, they take you on an elevator down. So you don't have to at least like put that much load on your quads going down the stairs. So you climb a thousand stairs going up. You get in the elevator to go down and then you just do that over and over in yeah. like a concrete stairwell. Yeah. With just yeah. breathing other people's air. Yeah. Okay. Just I'm making sure we're clear on this. <laughs> right. 
Okay. You're okay. Clear. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna poo poo your bucket list item here, Trey. Yeah. I mean, and like, okay. So how I found out about it? Well, I've known about it, but when I was looking up for like ways to give back to your community for MLK Junior Day, I was like on this website, and it was just saying, here's here are a lot of. Um, nonprofits that you can raise money for. And I saw that listed. It's uh, American Lung Society. I'm sorry, I'm like totally botching the name, but it's basically a fundraiser, right? And so some of the money goes towards that. So I was like, okay, I can get on board with I think most races, there will be a fundraiser that you can donate money to. So I was that's one of the reasons why I was looking it up. And then of course, I go down the rabbit hole of whether or not you can do it once and pay a fee for one time, you just pay a little bit more and you can have access to as many rounds. Well, it's up to eight. I don't think I'm going to go that far. And there is a time limit too. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But like the thing is, I'm not, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in like decent shape still. I work out, but I definitely, stair climbing is not like my strong point. You know, Manitou, I can barely make it to the top under an hour. If I was to, if I were to do this twice, it would probably take me two hours. Can you imagine eight hours? Like people will re- like, there's like an elite group somehow. I don't know how you become elite at stair climbing, probably by hiking Manitou every day. There's like a club of people who do the Manitou incline like a hundred times in a summer or something. Like, of course there is. It's Colorado, but. Yeah. So the Manitou incline is a hike. I guess I would loosely call it a hike outside of Colorado Springs where they have cut a staircase effectively out of dirt and logs into the side of a hill. And you do you know the specs on it? I can't think of off the top of my head. Yeah, I'll look it up while you're talking. And so it's like a it's a really kind of famous spot where you go because and you basically like just walk up these. I mean, you're in nature, so it's not like it's not concrete stairs, but they've cut out stairs out of the rock out of the dirt and then used big logs to support them so you are actually like stair stepping all the way up but you're outdoors yeah. you're like and then on the, it's pretty beautiful it's, beautiful. it's pretty beautiful i mean it's hike beautiful it's really beautiful you don't just like go back yeah. down the stairs there's like an actual hike you do to get down did you look it Which up some people do and it's annoying i'm like oh, it's just annoying because it's not a it's not a very big the thing that drives me nuts is they used to they weren't as good at policing this but people used to bring their dogs and i was like stop bringing your dogs to this yeah it's oh, so steep it 2744 steps climb 2000 feet in elevation in under one mile so you know you're gaining about a half a mile in elevation a little less than a half mile in elevation over a mile of steps <laughs> that's what we're talking it's about. really Just steep there's a point where i look back when i'm climbing that thing and you get i get a little scared because i'm like <gasps> It just, it's so steep. There is a point in that climb on Manitou where I can't, kind of like climbing when I've gone climbing before, I just can't look around me. I have to just be like focused on the steps in front of me. But that's really hard. It's, it's a really hard climb. So I guess I've done 2,744 steps and this is just over a thousand. So clearly I could do at least two rounds of this, maybe three. We'll see. When is it? This Sunday. So as of this recording, oh, it's, it's a week Sunday. from, yeah, as, a, as of this recording, recording it's a week from today and then i'm excited okay so then i'm excited okay so let's let's back up really quick someone asked a question i want to cover too joy's bucket list is not oscar seat filler but instead of stair climber well yes i just want to like i want to complete that gary our great friend gary who i've been besties with since my da office days he's a he's a da he texted me he's like you know my friend pete he went to ucla or sorry usc oh my god he's gonna hate me when i say that (laughs) that's like a big deal that's a big mess up 
USC, USC, not UCLA. Sorry, Gary. He's going to text me immediately. I'm going to get a text for that. And so he has like friends who probably stayed in Los Angeles and like worked in the biz. One of his friends worked at the Golden Globes and he sent me a picture and I was like, oh my gosh, can you get me a job? Like I'll, I'll hold a door. So that is actually a possibility that is like in the realm of something. So that's still on my bucket list. That's something I'm like, not sure I have like control over, you know, I want to like pick things I kind of have a little more control over. But in the spirit of me not freaking out over setting goals right now, I'm just doing like the next thing that kind of comes across my radar. But so next Sunday is going to be a really big day. And I can't wait to talk about this. So I'm going to do the stair climb. And then the afternoon, I'm going to a medium reading at the Haunted Lumber Baron Inn. Which, if anyone has watched, which probably no one has because I'm the only weirdo that likes to watch this stuff, is there's a show on Netflix called 28 Days Haunted. I started watching it because I was like, oh, what is this ghost show? And they follow the most haunted places in the United States for 28 days because apparently uh, if you're a professional ghost hunter, the idea is that you don't really get accurate readings from ghosts until you're there for a full 28 days. So people live in these haunted places for 28 full days. I know Claire's giving me this face like, really? I hear everyone rolling their eyes. It's fine. It's fine. So I watched the show, but lo and behold, they are in Denver, Colorado at the Lumber Baron Inn. And I was like, what the heck is the Lumber Baron Inn? Two miles from my house, one of the most haunted places in in the United States is the Lumber Baron Inn, not even kidding, two miles from my house. And so they, so I looked it up immediately. I was like, what is this so, place? And I, okay, quickly though, this means that you're going to go there after your climb. So you're like, yeah, yeah. you're too tired to run away. I know I'm going to sit, I'm going to sit for two hours. I know, trust me. But luckily we own a pair of those compression pants that like fill up with air and squeeze your legs. So I'm going to do that when I get home. Probably just like lather my entire lower body with like icy hot. So I went online and looked it up and I was like, oh my gosh, they have these, they have like afternoon tea. You can go there and have like afternoon tea at the Lumber Baron Inn. And then they were like, oh, and we also on occasion have a medium come in and do live group readings in the tea house where you have tea with a medium. And I was like, is this it has- Professor Trelawney? This sounds like Professor Trelawney. Too good to be true. I don't know who that is. Is that a Harry Potter reference? You do. It's a Harry Potter reference. She reads yeah. the tea leaves. It's like very tea. Sure. That sounds amazing. Yeah. And so medium Toby, I got tickets immediately because I saw a couple weeks ago that they were doing it. And so I grabbed a couple of my friends who are like weird enough to go with me. They're like, yeah, sure. So we're going that night. So I have a, I have a packed Sunday next week. It's going to be stair climbing and mediums. And ghosts. And the ghost of your Well, legs. that... <laughs> rest in peace, my legs. <laughs> I did drive by last weekend because I was very curious about this mansion, the yeah. Lumber Baron Inn. And I was with my friend who was visiting. And the second we pulled up, we didn't know it was it yet because we were like looking for it. All of a sudden she looks over. She's like, whoa, that place is amazing. I was like, that's it. And it looks very haunted and it looks very creepy and cool. So I'm excited to go in. I think that also both of these stories just really speak to the fact that Joy falls for the upsell every time. Oh my gosh, it's so <laughs> bad. I can't. I was almost afraid to tell you because I was like, oh, I got the Groupon in me. It's just like, oh, would you like to climb one time for $50 or 
$75 up to eight times. And I was like, well, $25 more if I want to stay and do more. It's so bad. Yeah. And then if the medium's going to be there, I'm not going to not go to the psychic reading during the tea time at the ghost house. I love it. I love that about you. mm. That does sound really fun. Although I am worried that you're not going to be able to run away from a murderous ghost. I mean, so the lore, it's actually not lore and it's tragic. Two women were murdered in that house or in that inn back in the 50s, maybe. So we looked up the history of it because we were very intrigued. So apparently it was like went into like, you know, it was condemned for a while. And then someone bought it, restored it and turned it into an inn. It's very, very cool. Why should <laughs> Tina's like, don't go there. <laughs> so that's on, that's on my I, I should say bucket list. But that's on my list. I, lately. I feel like a real ghost encounter is on your bucket list. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. If only. Ooh, but I would say <laughs> here's okay, here's something like recently that my friend got me for like Secret Santa that does, wouldn't would not surprise anybody, a cat tarot deck. Okay. So this I got this cat tarot deck as like a Secret Santa right before my second pa- cat passed away. And so I'm like, okay, I feel God, I feel so silly saying this, but whatever, you guys, like, I am who I am. I was like, oh, so I'm just gonna like talk to my cat through these tarot cards. So (laughs) the other day I was sitting here at my desk and my standing desk is pretty tall. There's no place for like my cats and both my cats. If anyone didn't hear that part, I lost both of my cats in the past few months. Um, Just to old age. Very sad. The desk that I sit at here is not, there's nothing for them to like jump on to get on top of this desk unless I were to lift them up. But the other day I was sitting here working and I like pulled a piece of paper or whatever and I, cat nail like fell onto my desk like you know how cats shed their nails and it was that and I was like because oh, there's no way they're speaking me from the other side and I'll take it like I'll take signs like that and hey if you need to do that great but I would love to have like more I guess I don't know I guess you're always gonna question like any encounter like one could argue like oh you were just like maybe it just flew up there but I would really love like a very I would love to go ghost hunting, like with an actual team. I just wouldn't be able to stay up past midnight or past nine. They have to do it at night, and that's just not going to work for me. Right, that does kind of cramp your stuff. Or could they do like a four a.m.? You could probably go. Yeah, I could do a four. <laughs> oh no, so embarrassing! <laughs> I am who I am. I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> not going to apologize for who I am. If you were yeah. guaranteed an authentic ghost encounter, would you stay up all night if it was like, you will see a ghost? It will. Yeah, for you. sure. I would just have to live off Diet Cokes for a while. But like I, you know, I went to when I was at the DA's office, I was so I loved going on ride alongs so much that I actually would stay up to like 1am going on ride along. So like, I think that would like if it was something that you were like excited about but guaranteeing a ghost sighting is pretty hard to do i know but if you if they could yeah for sure yeah 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 Ooh, heather says i did a ghost hunt at the aquarium at the mall of america because i guess ghosts like water and we were all terrified by a janitor coming out of a deep closet during the tour can you imagine i totally can imagine i think (laughs) like you get in that mindset you totally do we're like anytime it's like watching a scary movie like any door opening you're just like jumpy because you know that like it's a scary space i've also wanted to go on like a denver haunted tour and i've yet to do that where they like kind of take you around and talk about the history and the ghost hunting 
someone did ask, we'll get to this last before we move on, if there's anything else we need to talk about with ghosts. But we do want to talk about a quick, quick wrap up of like getting through this season because someone asked about that earlier of like, okay, it's really hard. Seasonal affective disorder is real. We're just going to run through some tips real quick. But Jacqueline says that there is a ghost at her work. Really? She says, I I have ghosts (gasps) at the nursing home I work at. I do partial third shifts and everyone keeps seeing a man wearing a blue tracksuit. No way. I love this stuff. Okay. And the other thing that I want to do is go stay at the Stanley Hotel. I mean, it's not that far from where we live and I've always wanted to do that. And so many people have pictures of ghosts there, which, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'd be able to sleep. That would be the one thing. I think you'd be so scared. That's how I would get through ghost hunting is I'd be scared the whole time. Yeah, that's fair. (sighs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So- in Colorado, the last, like, it's the blue skies today. This is the first, like, real blue sky day we've had in feels like years, but it's really probably been, like, a week and a half. And we're not used to this. We're not conditioned for gray skies. We aren't. A we're lot so of spoiled. are like, guys, get over it. A week and a half of gray. Try, like, six months of gray. We know. We know. That's why we don't live those we places. We get it. That's why we don't we live cope. there. Yes. We can't That's cope. why we don't live there. Mm-mm. I think that I like when it's blue skies and it's sunny, it's not as much as bad for me. I know you still feel like a little bit of seasonal affective, whether or not it's blue skies, just because the days are shorter. For me, the blue skies are enough to like keep me over the hump. But with the gray, I have just, it feels like the days just blend together. It feels like you never want to leave the house. I took a three hour nap yesterday, which I haven't done in years. It's just a real, it's really Oh my gosh. I've been napping out. so much yeah. lately. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? The other day in the afternoon, it was like 2.30. I was just laying on the floor with the dogs and I just passed out. Like literally someone who was just maybe drank too much and just like leaned over and fell asleep. <laughs> And took like an hour nap. It's just so weird. So let's just run through the quick and dirty tips for seasonal affective disorder. It happens for different reasons for everybody. I'll tell you the things that help me and then we'll move on with it. But I do suggest like finding what works for you. One of the biggest things I'm holding up here is my little Verilux happy lamp. Oh, you can't see it on this screen, but um, there we and go. And you really can't see it if you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, you really can't. Yeah, you really can't. You can hear it's the like click a, of the light. It's pr- it's not that big. It's like, it's really only about the size of a piece of paper. Right. And you can buy bigger ones. I know they actually have lamps. Um, they actually do have light bulbs that you can put in your lights uh, that kind of stimulate sunlight. So I think that that is something I try to be really good about in the morning when I'm sitting at my desk um, to get some sunlight on my face. That really does help as we're, I think the hardest part is this part of the, the year where it's like January, February where you just kind of are in that slump like November December you're kind of like oh you're coming out of the fall excitement you're like oh it's winter and then December hits and holidays are busy and then before you know it you're like okay now I just need to get through January February like let's go let's come on spring by the end of the tunnel and I think like November and December you have like the holiday lights and there's decorations and it feels very festive and like twinkly and then you hit January and it's remind it's just yeah yeah and I think we all feel kind of like January's like oh now we got to get like you have the holiday hangover and you kind of miss the holidays and everyone loves the holidays because you feel like the last two weeks you don't really have to work very hard. I mean, most people, I, I get there's professions where you have to work all, hard all the time, but like the Verilux light is helpful. So it's V-E-R-I-L-U-X. Um, I should actually post, one of the psychiatrists that I work with posted a great article about light therapy that has like the science behind it. Um, and there's certain types of light that you want to look for 
it's like 10,000 something something light particles. Um, I totally made that up. But I'll post that in the show notes because it was a really helpful article, like science backed around what light therapy can do. And so uh, that's something that I really rely on. I think knowing that it's coming. So this is not like a satisfying answer. But to know this about yourself is really helpful to where you kind of take away the shame from it because there's sometimes this tendency, I do this to myself still, even though I've been dealing with it for years. It's like, why do I feel so sad? Why do I do, you know, you kind of feel bad for feeling bad. So I think like just kind of getting to that level of acceptance of like, oh, this is going to be a little bit hard for me to get through this next couple of months. So I'm going to just like, let that be, let that be a fact, but also move through my days without like feeling bad about it. Like don't add a layer of shame just because you have this thing that happens to you every season. Um, If you can get outside and get sunlight, like if you do have sunnier days, like yesterday, Scott and I went for a walk with the dogs when the sun was out and then like it went away and Scott and I were like super irritable with each other yesterday, which is another thing where I'm like, oh yeah, we're just like really both struggling with this. I got out of the house. Like you just kind of have to move through that difficulty. And I think something I fall back on quite often is like movement is the antidote for some of these things. Movement can be an antidote for anxiety. Movement can be an antidote for depression. The hard part, the catch 22 with depression is you really don't feel like doing it anything. So moving feels extra, extra difficult. So there's times when you have to really plan if you're having a hard day and you do need to stay in bed, that's fine. But also like maybe try to plan little things, little outings. Like yesterday, I was like, I'm just going to go out and get my car washed. It was like kind of snowing. I just didn't care. It was like something I had to just like get out and make myself do because I was like, I need to get out of the house and my head is going to spin. So finding things that work for you, getting some light therapy. I actually read, I'm in the Busy Phillips is doing her best little Facebook group. It's like a private chat with the coolest people people ever. We need to really resurrect our Facebook group because man, the people in that group are so awesome. It's like, it's a fun little community because you feel less alone, but they were talking about this as well. And someone mentioned, I've, I've yet to, to look really deeply into this, but someone mentioned there's earbuds that have lights in them <laughs> that like stimulate some type of light in your brain. I don't know. It didn't, when I went to the website, it didn't look super science backed, but they swore by it. And I was like, interesting. I mean, are there light receptors in your ears? I don't know. That's why I was like, and she's like, I swear by it. And it was like, I can't remember the name of it, but are there any like ENTs listening? Can you please weigh in? Yeah, please, please weigh in. (laughs) I was like, it was fascinating and it's a legit thing, but they're not cheap. So I was like, I'm not going to buy this if there's like not science behind it. And then the other, someone actually posted this. They're like, I do, I try to like move my body. I try to drink more water, eat like better, not in a sense of like being strict, but just more like mindful that like even tiny moving the needle, like one little iota, one degree can help. And then she also said, please don't judge me, but I do go to tanning beds during the winter, like once or twice a month because you just, and I've done that before. I've gone to like, when I was in my thirties, I would get so bad that I would just have to go sit in a tanning bed, even if it was just like 10 minutes and I get it, like they're not great for you, but it was like the pros and cons were like balancing it out for me because of my mood. And just to feel that warmth and those like rays on my body was, like I was battery powered again. So like do what you got to do. Jacqueline said I went to Ulta just to get out of the house yesterday. I get it. I get it. <laughs> totally get it. So hopefully those tips help. And again, I'll post some links in the show notes um, for additional tips and also that article that my wonderful psychiatrist friend posted. About the light particles. <laughs> light particles. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Not a scientist, guys. Not a no. scientist. But a therapist. Real life therapist. <laughs> I always like to remind people of that. This is not just like random one hot tip to yeah to solve seasonal. It's hard. Disorder. It's like it's like we gotta just tolerate. Again, I say this all the time to my clients. It's like we just have to we have to increase our tolerance to negative emotions. Half of the battle here. But I don't wanna. That sounds. I know. It's not fun. It's not fun. I mean, I just watched the I, I soothed my brain. I numbed my brain out yesterday watching the entire second season or no, it's the first season of Bling Empire New York. That's not great. But (laughs) it's like you just got to do what you have to do to get through it. Reality TV. (laughs) All right. Any last minute things we need to cover? I'm trying to think like before we know it. Next week's episode is going to drop in February. So we're... I know. We made it. We we're practically almost there. made it. We're almost there. It's end almost of the March. <laughs> it's almost March. It really is. I feel like February is February goes quick. February goes quick. We're almost to the end of January. The next episode you hear is going to be on Groundhog Day, not to jinx it. And then... The week after that, or two weeks after that, I'm going to Mexico, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, that's like my that's light at the end of the tunnel is my surf For trip. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I really want to plan this New York trip too. That'll get me, even though it's not going to be like super warm there. I just like getting out and doing something. And I love New York City. And I get to see Tina and Marco. So like, yes. I mean, they don't know it yet, but I'm definitely going to go see them. <laughs> um, okay. What, real quick. Heather asked this question at the beginning and I want to get to it. If you were going to a 13 going on 33 birthday party, what would you wear to dress up as your 13-year-old self? Oh, wow. I mean, I talk about my like Gwen Stefani phase a lot. I probably would just revert to that. Yeah, I would have – I was like really big into white jeans and I had this like awesome sweatshirt. I want to say one of the surfer brands. I can't even remember what surfer brand it was. I'll never forget like getting the sweatshirt, even over Christmas, putting it on and like sweating because Arizona doesn't get that cold, but you'd get super excited for a sweatshirt. So I'd say like white jeans, a super cool like surfer sweatshirt and maybe Birkenstocks because Birkenstocks were We're, like the big deal. Mm -hmm, Yeah, mm -hmm. I think I would wear like a crop top spaghetti strap t-shirt over a baby tee for some reason with low cut flare jeans flip flops always flip flops Mm, and a studded belt Ooh, studded belts um which shout out to heather who is my in real life friend and is having this party in a couple weeks so i am going yeah that's so fun i mean it depends on because like your 13 year old self was me in college i was like oh yeah Yeah. i wore that in college (laughs) correct Okay. Okay. Also, wait, really, 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 really quick. Did you see? I did not know this. Did you see that that from the Tiger King, Carol's missing husband was alive the whole time? No, I didn't. Remember see how that like the whole thing was like that she fed him to a tiger? Exactly. We're gonna have to de- to research this and talk about it next week. Have I told you that Scott's dad worked for like the government for like environmental control, and he had yeah, to police? Like, yeah, he had to police this guy, case. and he had to like he had to, like send that guy warnings and violations all the time because they were like disposing of waste improperly. Yeah, you did. Yeah, fun fact. Oh, I'm pretty boy. much friends with the Tiger King. No, I'm kidding. Yep. Uh, well, we will, we're gonna we'll come back to the Tiger King revelation. Good to know that Carol did not Good feed her husband to, to a tiger. Right. All right, guys. Right. Thank you for joining us this week. Don't forget to support our sponsor, Ned. That's H E L L O N E D dot com forward slash joy, or you just got code joy for fifteen percent off your order. Try the Shut Eye Chai. It's going to change your sleep life. You can find us on Instagram at Joy and Claire underscore. You can go to our website, joyandclaire.com. You can email us at this is joyandclaire.com. If you want to join the chat, but you are not on Instagram, please send us an email. We had a couple people in the chat this week who we sent the link we did it we sent them a link we followed through doesn't always happen (laughs) it happened this week 
So You're welcome. if you want to join, please send us an email and let us know that you want the link and we will do our best to email it to you. Otherwise, if you are on Instagram, keep an eye on our Instagram stories and we normally post the link the night before. We typically record on Sunday mornings-ish, but we'll keep you guys posted if for some reason that changes. Sunday morning, mountain time. And we hope you have a fantastic week. Thank you so much for being here. We'll talk to you Thank next you guys. week. Bye. Thank you guys. Thank you. Bye. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.